those of you who've heard us sing before. But um, so uh, Dan's got a, a testimony, which I thought would be really helpful for us and um, might make you cry, might make you laugh, a uh, bit of both. But uh, so I'm going to ask Dan uh, to bring uh, his testimony and share with us, and that, then I'll uh, speak after that. So, shall we welcome Dan? Okay, we on. Okay, so, so Richard's asked me to share a, a very personal story of what God has been doing in me during our family holiday and since. Um, but first of all, I think you need to understand a bit more about me. I'm quite conscious there's quite a lot of people here that probably don't know me very well. So I just thought I'd give a bit of background about me. I was born into a strict, exclusive brethren family, which means I had a very sheltered childhood. I wasn't allowed TV, radio, cinema, and it also meant that I was never allowed to go to my school friends' homes, um, couldn't go to their birthday parties, and it was all because brethren believed that you should withdraw from iniquity. That's, they got that from the Bible, and you should withdraw from iniquity. So if there was a television in somebody else's house, I couldn't go there. So that's my sort of early indoctrination, if you like. Um, and to some level, I guess I've continued to avoid going to places that I felt wouldn't be helpful to my faith. So that's my background. So on with the story. Uh, we're very privileged... To, to be able to afford holidays abroad. And I, re- I, I appreciate that some of us can't, but we are. And this particular year, Diane, my wife Diane and I were discussing where we should go for our annual family holiday. And uh, we were aware that it could be the last time that we might go on holiday as a family due to the fact our children were growing up uh, and moving away from home. There should be a picture of them up there in a sec. So these are our three kids. Farah's away at Bangor University. She's 21 in a month's time. Josh is in South Africa. He's 19. And Zach's with us now, and he's sat at the back. Um, he's 16. So we, we decided, as a family, uh, Diane's never been to Greece. And we'd enjoyed, there was a TV program uh, called The Durrells. Um, and we enjoyed that as a family. And it's set in Corfu. So we decided to go there. Okay, so that's, that's the background to that. So for some reason, I didn't do my sort of normal research. As a, as a sort of administrative-minded person, I like to work out where we're going, work out the destination, what we can do there, all that sort of stuff. And, uh, but this time, however, I was busy. And I simply found a great-looking place at the north of Corfu Island, which seemed ideal, albeit a bit expensive. I guess I'd resolved myself to the fact that Greece was no longer a cheap destination due to their recent financial difficulties. Diane, however, had other ideas about keeping more of the family purse. (laughs) So she did a more in-depth study and found another place at the far south of Corfu Island, about half the price of the location I was looking at. 
and it actually included breakfast as well, so it was a bonus. So I was very pleased, so I said, um, I said, book it. In fact, what I actually said was, book it, Diana. And she duly did. So it was a few days later that Diane rather sheepishly said to me, because she had been looking into it in a bit more detail, do you realise that we've booked an 18 to 30 holiday? <laughs> All the reviews for the resort were great, but the immediate area was a typical 18 to 30 resort place. So I was a bit shocked. And after a little bit of checking up, I realized this was the case, and it suddenly hit me that I was taking my three children, two of whom were still teenagers, into what I called, after I'd been there, Sin City. <laughs> so, so much from withdrawing from iniquity. We had booked a holiday in Kavos. I'd never heard of Kavos due to my very sheltered brethren background, but I'm sure some of you have. So that's the background of how we ended up in Kavos in Corfu for our annual holiday. Now, before we left, Richard recommended, there's another, there's another slide coming up, a book called Dirty Glory by Pete Gregg. Now, some of you may remember he came to speak in Worcester Cathedral back in May. I think it was Pentecost Sunday. Mm. And uh, this book is a superb book. It is a book on prayer. And that you, you could think that's a bit theological, a bit dry, but it's full of powerful stories, and I would heartily recommend. If you read, get that book. It is, it is amazing of uh, God's answers to prayer. Um, I hadn't read it. Richard recommended it, so I downloaded it as my holiday reading onto my Kindle. Now, we arrived in Kavos. Kavos Main Street is nothing. It's like nothing I've ever seen before. It's full of nightclubs, bars, restaurants, and some very crude shops selling extremely crude T-shirts with awful things written on them. And I've never seen so many willy key rings. The first time we walked down the street was early evening. And as a family, we got accosted by a person from nearly every single restaurant who seemed desperate for our trade. Actually, 18 to 30 holidays are not as popular as they used to be. And actually, I think we should be really grateful for that and thankful for that because I think it's a real answer to prayer. We did visit one of the restaurants on a particular night, a traditional Greek taverna, and it was a great evening. Good food, singing, dancing over fires, smashing plates, the Greeks are absolutely crazy, and they really do know how to party. So as I read Dirty Glory, I began to realize that God was saying something to me. It was no coincidence that we were in Kavos. Peter Gregg tells a story of a couple called Brian and Tracy Heasley, who moved with their family to Ibiza and started working with the partygoers, the clubbers, caring for them. In fact, their family car was nicknamed the Vomit Van. And the Heasleys would frequently drive their sons to school in the Vomit Van the morning after a night on duty, and it would still be reeking of bodily fluids. 
This is what Brian says. Sometimes I would stand watching the faces go by and I wanted to shake them, to wake them, to tell them that there can be more to life than 10 pints of beer, sex with a stranger and puking on your shoes in the taxi home. Brian sighed. Why should they care? In the broken-hearted words of Jesus, the crowds were confused and aimless like sheep with no shepherd. That's in Matthew 9, 36. So every fiber of Brian's being longed for them to find the good shepherd. So there were clear parallels with what I was reading and what I was actually seeing with my own eyes. So the second time we walked down Sin City, because that's what I started calling it, or sorry, Sin Street, that's what I began calling it, something happened in me. It was like a poof there. I felt tears come to my eyes. I'm not normally an emotional man. So this was unusual. And I began feeling what I can only describe as a supernatural sadness for the many young people there in Kavos. They were seeking something, and they were probably not going to find it there. I believe God hit me deep in his heart, deep with his heart of compassion that weeps for the young folk in Kavos and many other cities in the world. It wasn't just Kavos. Pat's just come up to me just a few minutes ago and said, she, she, she knows a bit of this story, and she said, feel that God was, was, was saying at that particular point, I think I've got this right, you were seeing those young people through Jesus' eyes. And I think that's true. I think something happened. It, it just, just sort of hit me there. I couldn't describe it. It was just out the blue. Um, when we left the Greek taverna, um, this was quite late in the evening, well, 10, half past 10, late for me anyway, um, Sin Street had changed, and in my opinion, for the worse. Young touts were now on the streets, and they were coercing folk into the clubs with offers of very cheap drink. Diane and I were very much ignored at this point. We were far too old and sensible. But our three children were accosted many times. At that point, I felt a mixture of emotions. Guilt, having brought my impressionable children to such a depraved place. But secure that they were good kids and would not succumb to the lures that were being set before them. And also that deep sadness again, and and the tears came again. In the end, our children didn't actually go to any of the clubs. We gave them that freedom, but they didn't go to any of the clubs. And I was secure that even if they had, they would have been fine. We actually went back to our holiday village and played Monopoly Deal as a family. What a family of ravers. So one of the mornings, we had a walk along the rather tacky Kavos Beach. And although we never visited that beach at night, you get a picture of what the scene was just a few hours before by the used condoms I had to step over. In many of the bars, they were selling quite a lot of cocktails, which they called sex on the beach. So despite all this, we actually found a lot of areas away from Kavos that were spectacular. And we actually had a great holiday. 
I would recommend it. Maybe, unless you feel really cored, avoid the far south. But the north of the island's fantastic. I think God was doing something in me during that time. Dirty Glory is a book about prayer. And I believe God wanted me to catch his heart for the broken places of the world. At Kavos, and since I've been back, I've continued to read Dirty, finished it now, Dirty Glory, and God is still impacting me. I think during some of that time, my family thought I was a bit grumpy. I tried to tell them it's actually not that, but it's difficult, really difficult to put into words the sense of how God sees the lost. His heart is breaking. I had a prophecy a few years ago about God wanting to take me deeper into intercession. But I didn't respond very well to it. Intercession can hurt. It's an emotional thing. You get to feel God's heart for people. And I didn't really do much with it. But God was not going to be ignored. So why did I break a habit of a lifetime and not read the small print? Because God knew I wouldn't go to Kavos if I had. Why did Richard recommend a book about stories of deep intercessory prayer that resulted in salvation and broken hearts made new? It's because God wanted my heart to be melted and to be filled with his compassion for the lost. There's always a so what. So what have I learned? God wants me to be secure in what he's put into my children and to trust him, number one. Number two, God wants me to feel his heart in places where sin abounds. God wants me to pray and to intercede more. And fourthly, this is the one that impacted me the most. God doesn't want me to avoid such places like Kavos and there's places in Worcester like it. Don't avoid them because his spirit in me affects that atmosphere. So it's not to be avoided. I've learned that lesson. So the last few months really, there's been tears and emotion in me. But there is joy. There's definitely joy. And I believe God wants us to dispense joy. In Isaiah 56, 7, God promises that he would give them joy. Give them joy in my house of prayer. And as Peter Gregg says, pain is inevitable in life. Joy is not. Pursue joy. Laugh a lot. Listen well and celebrate the ordinary. And I think that's something that I want, that God wants me to do much more. So, that's the story of how God impacted me on our family holiday. Hope you enjoyed it. Richard. Thanks, Dan. So, I love hearing stories of what God's doing in in people's lives, don't you? I think it's really uh, powerful. There was quite a lot of... uh, teaching content in there if you have an ear to hear and I'm sure there will be some parents who are thinking yeah yeah, God wants me to trust him for my children I'm I'm sure of it there will be other people who know God's called them particularly to pray we're all called to pray because we're God's kids and he likes to hear from us 
But uh, there are some people, I'm, I believe, that God's uh, called particularly to, uh, that's one of the big things they do, is to pray. And uh, perhaps you're hearing God's call to you this morning through that. I just want to uh, follow up that tes- testimony uh, with a few points about being a people of uh, prayer. So, uh, so the first point is, let's pray with compassion. Dan, somewhat unexpectedly, was overwhelmed with emotions. Now, you can, you can pray without emotions. Some of us are not very emotional. That's okay. You're wired the way you are wired. Uh, be at peace. God made you uniquely you. But let's pray with the compassion that he's given us. And uh, I think there are some of us that God wants to sort of make a bit more sensitive I know you don't want to go around like a wreck all the time. That's fine. But to make a little bit more emotionally sensitive. Uh, Dan referred to Matthew, Matthew 9. Uh, and uh, in those verses, it says, in Matthew 9, 35 onwards. In verse 36, it says, When Jesus saw the crowds, he had, had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And then he said... The harvest is plentiful, the workers are few. Speak to God about it. Ask him to send out laborers into the harvest field. But I noticed that Jesus' exhortation to us to pray about the harvest field, to pray about winning souls, is, is in the context of him actually being filled with compassion. Do you notice that? It says he had compassion on them. And we, we, we tend to think in the West of compassion as being a little bit of, nah, bless. You know, a little bit feeling a little bit emotional or a little bit feeling sorry for someone but but the Greek word is much much stronger than that uh, do you want fancy learning a bit of Greek as it's a holiday in Greece it's it's, it's splankna good word isn't it sort of and actually it means he was torn in his guts which is sort of less less nice for a Sunday morning it means he's he was stirred up in his stomach it's, it's, it's not seeing, seeing a picture of someone who's a bit hard up and feeling, oh, I think I should put 10p in the collection box. It's, it's, it's not that. It's actually being, ooh, that feeling. Yeah, it's, you can't really preach that. It's, it's, it's felt, not telt. Do you know what I mean? Does that ever happen? I know it happens sometimes when there's a famine appeal, and quite rightly. But sometimes, it, sometimes I think God wants to expand that into our daily lives. When we see someone, maybe someone we don't even know sitting on a park bench, that, ooh, does that, does that make sense to anybody? That praying with compassion, and, and Jesus had reasons for that as well, because he understood that these people, these crowds that he looked at, the crowds we look at down the high street in Droitwich or Worcester or wherever we live, that, that people are like sheep without a shepherd. Dan used that expression. In other words, they have no one to really provide for them, no one to really protect them, no one to really guide them through life. That's what a shepherd does. He looks after us, he cares for us, he guides us through life. People without God don't have that. So I, I want to pray at the end that we, we would be enabled to pray with more compassion. Because I don't want to make anybody, I don't want people to go home from a little talk on prayer and think, yeah, we should pray more. Because we all know that. Uh, I'm not even sure that's true anyway I I think we've got a relationship with the Heavenly Father and he wants to take us deeper I don't think it's about the measure of time or what I don't think that's it I think it's feeling allowing ourselves to feel his heart and pray what's on his heart so let's pray with compassion Dan's experience was 
exactly like that. So let's have open hearts. Here's the next point. Let's, let's pray with simplicity. I, f- I suspect we make prayer sometimes very complicated. That's why I love this book. I've read quite a few books on prayer. Most of them make me feel inadequate and slightly guilty. That's just, maybe it's only me. I'm sure I'm not the only person that's read a book on prayer and thought, flipping heck, I haven't started then. And not always motivated, sometimes demotivated. It's a, it's a great book because it actually inspires you with stories of God doing things and it makes it simple. It's us coming to a heavenly father. Let's pray with simplicity. You know, our father loves honest talk. We had a phone conversation yesterday with our grandson, who's not yet one, but he demanded the phone and, uh, and we had quite a conversation. Most of it was because that's his, they're his favorite noises but he was absolutely determined to talk with us and did i did we say silly kid can't talk properly we wouldn't do that would you you don't do it to your child you don't do it to your grandchild believe me because actually you're thrilled that this little toot wants to somehow communicate with you and it's just you know that is how your heavenly father I think some of my prayers are pretty good. And yet, God understands what's in my heart. So, oh, there's Rich again. He's trying to communicate. Doesn't know what he's on about, but he's trying to communicate. Bless him. How wonderful. So it doesn't so matter. You know, we think, oh, I might get the words wrong. Well, of course you'll get the words wrong. You're you and he's God. But he's thrilled when you come into his presence. Let's keep it simple. You know, our father loves honest, sincere talk. Little things and big things. When your kids talk to you, you're just, you're just pleased they want to talk to you. You just love to, to communicate. You're pleased about it, like a parent, like a child. You know, even if all you can do because of the, your life circumstances is just cry in his presence, that's okay. I can remember a certain time in my life where I used to go to bed and put my arm up in, in the air, like in desperation, and say, God, if I knew what to pray, I would, but can you just take this arm in the air as my prayer? Sort of help. That kind of, that's okay. You know, the psalmist once prayed in Psalm 56 verse 8, and he said, uh, he asked God to put his tears on a bottle. I think the latest NIV is um, record, my, record my tears on a scroll. L- literally, it's could you put them in a wineskin? That was the culture of the time. So even your tears prayed in the presence of God, he treasures. He stores them up. It's never wasted. So let's pray with simplicity. Your concerns about your family, your future. I don't know if you're ever stirred when you watch the news. It gets to me quite a lot because it's mostly bad news. Well, just say, God, help them. He hears. He hears those prayers. Your difficulties, your fears, your desires, your hopes for your family, your, the city, your parking space. Big, little. doesn't matter. Let's just talk to him. It says in 1 Peter 5 verse 7, Cast your anxieties or your cares on the Lord because he cares for you. That's prayer and it's most simple, isn't it? I've got a care I'll cast it to the Lord. Uh, that's a, it's Greek morning, Greek island, another Greek word. We've had splank now. Here's another one, ekbalo. It's the, word, it's, the, it's, it's the Greek word we get the word ball from. Ekbalo means to chuck it. Again, it's, it's an aggressive word. It's, it's a chuck your cares to the Lord. 
Here we are, Lord, have that one. Lord, I'm really worried about this. Can you take it? Have this, I'm worried. It's chuck your cares to the Lord because he really, really cares for you. He's not too worried about your long religious prayers that you think you ought to pray, some of us. In fact, Jesus said he didn't really like prayers like that anyway. That's just a by the by. You can pray simply. You know, a few years ago, we, we, in another church, we had another building project, and we, Debbie and I, we'd given all our money to the building project. And I mean we'd given all our money to the building project. And I was on a conference somewhere, and Debbie was washing up, and she did what I call a prayer sigh. I don't know if you've ever done one of those. It was, it was sort of, I can't remember, it was sort of January, February time. And it was that time when everyone else was booking a holiday, and, and we couldn't. Because <laughs> we didn't have any money left. And she, she was washing up, and she, that's right, isn't it? And she did a prayer, so, oh, God, I really would love to go to France. That was it. That was, that was the prayer sigh. It's one of those ones where you're not sure if you're sighing, mo- moaning, or praying. Does anyone? Uh, <laughs> it was one of those ones. And I was at this conference, and unknown to her, I didn't know she was sighing or praying, and she, she didn't know what, I, I was sitting down at, for breakfast at this conference, and a total stranger walked up to me and said, I believe the Lord's told me to give you a holiday in my farmhouse. That was great, wasn't it? And for the two years of that building project, we had free holidays in a farmhouse in the Loire in France. That's pretty cool, isn't it? Now, I'm not saying every sigh will get that response, because I know it's going to be a lot of sighing over washing up this, this Sunday. <laughs> I'm not, it's not some sort of uh, magic thing. Oh, if I sigh, it'll work. Don't get me wrong. It's not like that at all. I'm just saying is God cares for you. Pray simply. I'll give you another story. I was coming back. I, I'm trying to swim twice a week because I get a bit chesty in it. I thought the exercise would do me good. So I go and swim twice a week. And uh, I made the mistake of coming home via six ways. Those of you who know Worcester will know it all gets chogged up with traffic because they're doing traffic work. So I was sitting there in this queue thinking, you wally rich. You should have gone round, round the other way and avoided this traffic. And I, I was sitting there and I thought, I know, I'll pray. I'll pray the Lord's Prayer. I often do that. I, I, use, I use the Lord's Prayer like a Google search engine. You know, I think, Father our father and I thank him that he's adopted me and you're holy and you're heavenly and I, I, so I use it like a search engine your kingdom come and I pray a bit about what that might mean and your daily bread oh, this is the stuff I need uh, and I, I go through it what's it look like for your kingdom to come anyway it was a long traffic queue so I was working my way through this and then I, I looked in the mirror and uh, sometimes I get I get a bit bored doing that anyway I looked in the mirror of the car and the woman behind me was biting her nails oh and she looked so tense. And I thought, I'll pray for her then. I felt sorry for her. That, that's what I mean about the compassion. I felt sorry for her. I don't know who she is. I've no idea. No, nothing that I know happened apart from God hears those prayers. So I, I prayed for her. She, she, uh, and then, I, I, you know, after a couple of lines, I didn't know what to say anymore. So I, I thought, oh, and I, I went out a little bit so I could see the bloke behind that. And, uh, and he was like this. God. So then, I, so I prayed for him. I don't know who he was. He, was, he looked like, he, he got a big car, looked like a business guy. So I just, I just prayed for him. And, and then I thought, 
I wonder what all our guys are doing this morning, all, all the business people in the, in the church. So I pray for Martin, I pray for Pete, I pray for Gordon, I pray for Isaac, and, and then because I probably forgot a load of other names, I just pray for everybody in general, because I got a memory like a sieve. And, uh, and then the traffic moved. So I, I thought, I'd better look out where I'm going now, and I drove home, made the lawn, got on with life. Let's pray, do you, do you see what I mean? What I'm saying, I'm saying, let's pray in life. You see something, you pray for it. We'll come back to that. Let's pray with persistence. Let's, the, the Bible says this. Jesus told that story. Do you remember the story about the old lady and the judge that wouldn't give her justice and how she nagged him and nagged him and nagged him until finally he gave in, not because he was a good man, but because he wanted a bit of peace. Remember that story? And Jesus told that story so we'd keep praying and not give up. Pete Gregg, in uh, one of the videos I've seen of him speaking about prayer, says, unanswered prayer is sometimes like a stack of dominoes. You ever play that game when, when you're a kid where you stack them up and then knock, knock the first one and then they, you pray a prayer, nothing happens. You pray another one. He said, he said, let's keep stacking the dominoes. I thought it was a really good picture. And eventually, unless God is saying, no, you're praying the wrong prayer, but eventually, out of persistence, he nudges it and something happens. Let's pray with persistence. You know, it says in, uh, in Revelation, there's a lovely picture in Revelation 8, 3 and 4 of, a, of an angel. It's all picture language, but there's an angel with a, a bowl, a, a censer, and it's, and it's a sweet-smelling incense to God. And it says, it's the prayers of the saints. That's a lovely picture, isn't it? You think, oh, my prayers, are, they're just bouncing off the ceiling. No, 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 your prayers are held in the presence of God. They're a sweet-smelling incense to the Lord. Not one of them is wasted. He treasures them. He answers them in his way, in his time. So let's pray with compassion, with simplicity, with persistence. And here's another one. Let's be a praying people, not just a people of prayer meetings. That's a bit of a funny point because I, I love our advanced prayer meeting. First Tuesday of the month at St. Andrews, it's, it, it's a powerhouse of the church really. We, we pray for all sorts of stuff there and it's, it's really good. But, but um, when Jesus talked about house of prayer for all nations, you know, there's a whole sermon in there really about the house of God. In the garden, Adam and Eve walked in the presence of God and that, that garden sort of was the house of God. But they got excluded from the presence of God. And then a bit later, they had a tent in the wilderness, didn't they? And that was, that was where you went to meet God. The tent of meeting and the, and the tabernacle and the presence of God there. And then a bit later, it was, it, it was the temple. That was where, that was the presence of God in Jerusalem. That's what it's all about. And then Jesus came and he started talking about himself. As, where did you go to meet with God? You go to Jesus. He said, hey, you knock this temple down and it will be raised up in three days. He was talking about himself. And then the, you go a bit further on and, and, and what, who's the temple now? Any answers on a postcard? We are. We are. Paul says, hey, don't you know, you lot together are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus said, hey, my, my house, my temple is a house of prayer. We're a people of prayer, people of the presence of God. We're, we're, we are, and God's calling us to be an international people of prayer, a house of prayer for all nations. See, prayer isn't just something you do. You think, oh no, I've got to add that to my to-do list this week. Oh, now all that and prayer as well. Oh no. No, it's something 
we are. It's, it's a joy. Dan referred to Isaiah 56 verse 7. Uh, uh, that, uh, my house, I will give them joy in my house of prayer. For my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. It's, it's a lifestyle conversation with our Heavenly Father. It's good to gather together. Don't get me wrong. It's good to gather together and meet and, and pray and worship, come into the presence of God. But actually, it's something we are in our daily life. We, we're a house of prayer. We're a people, not just of prayer meetings, but a people of prayer, a people that relate to God our Father and t- talk to him about everything. See, so I, I did a little bit of a survey about where we can pray. Here's just a few examples. In the assembly, in the congregation, in the temple, in your closet, which means either a broom cupboard or a loo. Uh, there you go. In an upper room, a housetop, on the shore of the sea, in a garden, in the belly of a whale, on your bed, in prison, on a mountain, in a desert, in a parliament before the king. And how about this one? In every place. Oh, that's what Paul said. I want people in every place to lift up hands and pray. No, there's no one place where you have to, it's good, to, don't get me wrong, if you, if you want to be a disciplined prayer, it's good to have a place where you go, I understand all that, but you can pray anywhere. And when can you pray? I, I did a bit of survey on that. You can pray, here's some biblical examples. At midnight, by night, in the evening, on the ninth hour, on the sixth hour, on the third hour of the day, at daybreak, in the morning, a great while before daybreak, seven times a day. Ooh. Evening, morning, and noon, three times a day. How about these? At all times. That's a catch-all. Always and without ceasing. That's just some of, the, some of the times you can pray. All the times. Let's be a praying people, not just a people of prayer meetings. I want to end with a story because time's up. We um, did a mission week in Germany, uh, in Dresden, uh, this year back in... June, I think it was, and um, we planned this mission week and then discovered that no evangelists could come, which is, a, which, which is not what you want, believe me, when you feel responsible for it. Uh, so there was some diary mix-up and there was some other issues, and, and so we didn't, have, so, so being responsible for this, uh, I thought, what are we going to do? So we, we said, I know what we'll do, we'll pray. And there were some people looked a bit doubtful about going for a week and just praying. Uh, but we developed this strategy of walking and praying around nearby towns and villages and, and saying, let's be open to God in our emotions. Let's keep our eyes open for anyone who God might want us to talk to. But let's not feel compelled to talk to anyone. So we didn't have many German speakers either, just a few. So it was, it was a challenge. And we said, let's go with an open attitude. Let's use the things you see. Let's assume that God is with us, because he says he is. And so what we see, he sees. Is that right? That's fair enough, isn't it? He's at our right hand. What we see, he sees. And so if you see some youth and your eyes attracted, then pray for those youth. They don't even need to know, unless you want to go and speak to them, in which case, feel free. If you see a poster and you're worried about it, pray about that. If you see a government building or a police station, then pray for the local authorities. If you go to the marketplace and you're concerned about uh, businesses there, then pray for the businesses or the people shopping and so on and so forth. You get it? And let's be open to the Holy Spirit. 
helping us see with his eyes, feel with his heart. Don't, don't dismiss the impressions you gain from anything you see. And you know what? We, we had a fabulous time. We had some extraordinary things as we prayed for the week. We had, we had people dreaming about weird, coloured, strange-shaped cactuses and then going into a local village they'd not been before and seeing a shop with the, the exact cactus in there and going in and having a conversation with the shopkeeper. We had all sorts of things. We had people, after a while you get fed up with praying, so you go and have a coffee, and we had people having words for people, ladies in the coffee shop, and writing them down on serviettes using Google Translate, which is slightly dodgy, so I hope they said the right thing. But, you know, we had a terrific time, and, and this is what we found. We started loving the community like God did. You start off in a, goodness, how are we going to work this out? What can we do? We don't have an evangelist. What are we going to do? And then you start praying, and as you pray, God gives you his heart for the places and the people for whom you're praying. And we did wonder how it would go with a few German speakers and so on, but actually we had a fruitful time. The people who came found themselves doing things they'd never done before, talking to strangers, telling their own story of faith, Many people were affected and, and two new people came to church that weekend. Because there's strength in being vulnerable but dependent upon God. So let's pray with compassion, simplicity and persistence. And, and let's be not just a people of prayer meetings but a people of pray, prayer. I, I want to pray particularly for those who feel yeah, intercession. Well, I mean we, we can all pray because we're all children of a heavenly father. But I want to pray this morning for those who particularly feel actually praying is something that is absolutely core to how I serve. It's, it's part of my gifting, if you like. It's part of what I do is my ministry. So let's all bow our heads. And uh, if that's you, maybe you could just raise a hand. And uh, I'd love to just pray for you as we finish this morning. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Father, thank you that you've given us things like the Lord's Prayer. We often don't know quite how or what to pray for, but we thank you that you've given us your Holy Spirit who groans and intercedes with words that can never express. We thank you that you help us in this way. And I, I want to particularly pray for those who part of their ministry will be being before you, praying hard for the breakthrough. I ask you that you would encourage those who are called to a ministry of intercession, that you would uh, keep drawing them into your presence, that you would fulfill your promise there in Isaiah, that you would give them joy in the place of prayer, that it wouldn't be a heavy thing, but a joyful working with you. And I pray for all of us now, Father, that uh, in our daily lives, we would be people who know that prayer is not a booby prize for when you can't do something useful, but is a most wonderful blessing for our city, for the community where we live, for the streets in which we live, for our neighbours, for our families, for those you want to win. We ask you, Lord, that we would be, as a church, a house of prayer for all nations and we thank you in Jesus name.
Amen. Amen. God bless you and thanks Dan very much as well.